Seven. No I'll idea try. who the fuck that is. Well, I mean, if you see behind me that the thing goes fucking wonky and freaks out. Um, it's called Jericho. Because right. I sure as hell have to shut up. It's very quiet. Yeah, well. How's it sound on the stream? Because our headphones, it sounds fucked up. Hey, honey. Hello. Can't hear him at all. That's awesome. It goes, and it hangs up. <laughs> that was cool. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, messages. Yeah, messages. He's like, he's like, can you hear me? Great. One second. retarded. <laughs> Can't hear him. Oh, he's going to fix his mic. It's actually oh, not us. Nice. It's, it's not, not us. us. It's fucking. Oh, dude. Uh, of course, the fucking doorbell ringing here. Call him anyway. How about now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me all right? On top of the dogs barking like fucking crazy? How'd your first... Did you get all your Christmas presents now? Huh? Did you get all your Christmas presents yet? No, some wanted to use my phone. I've used that trick before. <laughs> Ain't gonna work, honey. She got can sent... I use your phone? Uh-uh, get the fuck out. She got sent by Mike Don. Brian, can you hear us at all? Because we still can't hear you. Yeah, I can hear oh, you fine. There you are. Okay. You got him? Yeah. You hurry up and get back up yeah. here. Skype has this wonderful bug. When I close the program and reopen it, it disables my mic completely. So I have to <laughs> replug it back in. Nice. Well, so far we've had about every technical problem we could have. <laughs> and uh, it only took us an hour to get everything set up this time instead of the normal hour and a half. <laughs> How have you been? Pretty good. How's it going? Good. Um, been kind of hanging out on the sidelines watching all hell break loose. Yeah. Been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, how long did you guys... I know you guys have been working on that for, for a while, haven't you? It. The actual note started well over a month ago but uh probably two three months ago but i kind of sat on it because i was working on other stuff and then chris sent something i don't know about a week ago and that's when i was like okay 
time to buckle down and actually do it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh-oh. He's got coffee, and he's coming back upstairs. You good now? Yeah, I got the dogs and everything. <laughs> it's fucking on. Bella's on this episode. I'm going to grab Dante. He could be on it. <laughs> this is a little family episode. A little Christmas family episode. We got the one-eyed blind dog and the big black behemoth who likes to bark at fucking everything. How come you only have one eye? (laughs) Bella Bella put a little toy there for him. Damn. Fuck yeah. Is this this still recording? Yeah, it's still recording. It's still recording. Fucking awesome. We got got Skype going and the stream apparently sounds decent. Hey, dude. Hey. What's up? Not much. (laughs) Not much? (laughs) Not much. You have a, a ridiculous amount of things up. I'm I'm sorry to hear about the attrition loss. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. I uh, heard yesterday. Uh, haven't gotten a whole lot of details, but um, there's going to be kind of a not a memorial service, but just kind of a day of celebration next week. Yeah. Well, what, what happened? Uh, Jay Dyson, Cancer Omega, passed yesterday. Oh shit! Did he? Yeah. That's... He had been having health problems, but uh, last we talked a few weeks ago, things were looking up, so this is pretty much a shock for everyone. That, that really Man. sucks right before Christmas, too. Dude, yeah. And he had a pretty much, a, I want to say, three, four-month-year-old. Oh, or three or four-month-old. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bad all around. Was that, his, was that his first kid? Second kid. Oh. Dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think the uh, the other kids are like five or six. Wow. <clears throat> well, that's a positive note to start shit on. Yeah, Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, my yeah. grandmother died on Christmas last year, man. It it was just brutal. Um, all right. Well, to other shit, because that's that's not gonna be fun. Well, if there's if there's anything we can do to help him or his family, man, let me know, please. Yeah. I appreciate it, and I'll let everyone know if there is. All right, cool. Yeah, because that's that's just rough. Um, aside from all of that, uh, lots been going on lately. Yeah, like, quite a bit. Uh, as usual, Arata's quite the to-do list, and uh, <laughs> trying to kick out content as often as we can. In in the middle of being denial of service attack. Yeah, we're on day 32, I think, maybe 31. Jesus kind of, Yeah, kind of stopped counting. Um, but despite that, yeah, it's not really affecting the ability to do the work. Yeah, it's, uh, but it's still ridiculous. So if, if anyone who's listening to this uh, needs, needs a fun project, uh, I'm sure they could use the help. <laughs> so... Uh, and there's, I know a lot of people out there with some really extreme talents in it. Or if any of you guys are doing it, please fucking cut it out. <laughs> or just at least tell us why, and a That's reason true. more than why not. Man, We're wouldn't just that be awesome if they could just tell you why and be like, "Oh no, it's because this dude's paying us." Be like, "Okay, you can continue doing it." <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I, right now, I will actually put money down to find out if one of the charlatans has paid for this to happen. Oh. Then you can keep attacking. That's fine. I just want to know if it's one of the charlatans or not. 
All right. Well, then, then I'll I'll put it out there as well. If uh, if somebody finds out who it is and can put fact based attribution, which we'll talk about here in a minute, because I've had my fucking ass handed to me for the last couple of weeks. Um, but if you can do it, Arata uh, and attrition style and prove fact, um, I will match whatever it is that you put up there to give them. There we go. So. Whatever, whatever that prize ends up being, I will, I will straight match it out of my money because I want to know who's doing it too. Um, okay. And like I said, afterwards you can continue the attack. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you don't have to stop making your money by all means. Like get that money. But yeah, do you, do your do your day job. I understand you got mouths to feed. All right. That's awesome. Um. Okay. Cool. Well. There's uh, there's a lot a lot going on. There's there's a lot of people that that also may listen to us because, um, oddly enough, we have a bunch of listeners that aren't in security and probably have no idea what 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 the fuck you on. do and what the fuck we're talking about. So I, I'd love to start just by kind of an introduction um, to kind of explain who you are and what the fuck errata and attrition and all of this stuff is and and what's what's the mission behind it and how does it work okay it's okay we'll just use the i'll try it again we'll okay. use the whatever we'll use the same so recording off of he explained what errata and what attrition is uh and uh we'll just go to attrition.org and you'll figure it out and actually go to security org or security is that the the new domain for uh, for yeah, you guys' just the, attrition's being knocked off, or? Yeah, it's just the errata content. Uh, meanwhile, the attrition web servers mostly offline. We've uh, we've actually had the web server up here and there, but just depends on how many of the botnets are hitting us at once. <laughs> That's Jesus. so ridiculous. I just I, I just don't get it. I don't. Do you have any ideas about it? The there's been a short list of suspects, but it's changed quite a bit. You know, early on it was like, well, we think it may be this guy, but then within the first five days he didn't taunt us, so it's like, no, his ego wouldn't have let him do that. So he went off the list, and then it was like, well, maybe this company's behind it because we kind of gave them a black eye, and um, then we thought it may be Joe Black, but no, he actually likes his page on attrition. So yeah. He likes his page. <laughs> oh, he does. He uh, yeah, he links to it all the time, and um, he's quite happy with it. <laughs> that dude's something else. Didn't we talk about him with Scott last week? Yeah. Yeah, he's did, he's fucking did you, nuts. Did you see the uh, the police reports I published for his incident on October thirtieth? Scott brought that up. It was something crazy, like he got in a high speed car race, car chase. Oh. Oh, that, that's just the news blurbs. I actually uh, did a full request for the police reports. So some of the highlights are he was apparently beating his mother with a car door when the police rolled up. What? He jumps in his car, backs into a police cruiser, drives across the lawn, goes on a four-county, 35-minute police chase. He goes over several spike strips so that by the end he's driving on his rims. <laughs> When he gets out, he's holding a small dog in one hand, and his other hand is uh, in the shape of a gun, and apparently he's going bang, bang, bang at the cops who decide to tase him. 
Wow. <laughs> when when they give him the citation, he re well he tells the cops a few things. Number one, that during the police chase, he closed his eyes and let the dog take the wheel so he could get some rest. <laughs> what? The reason, yeah, this is all in the police report. The reason that he was fleeing is because he had to protect his family against World War III. He would refuse to answer any questions unless addressed as Neo, and that's how he signed his police citation, too. Was Neo? Yep. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> now, do you th- is he really that fucked up in the head, or is this just like a, a way to set up your insanity plea? Well, the police uh, ECP'd him, or EPC'd him, Emergency Protective Custody, uh-huh. uh, for his own sake. Apparently, they thought he would hurt himself. So I, and apparently whoever called in the police report said that he was having another one of his psychotic episodes. Jesus. So I I think that he's just a colorful individual and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) is that, is that, is that the PC term for batshit crazy now? Colorful? (laughs) Well, I, he is kind of a riot to watch, you know, um, kind of the same way a, a reality TV show is. He sounds like he could be his own reality. Maybe that's what he's going oh, for. Oh, that that would actually be a fun show to watch. Maybe that's what he's going for. He's he's actually trying to get the people to pay attention to him so he can have his own show. Yeah, that's a show it. I'd watch for a couple episodes. Oh my god, it yeah, would last that, longer than our that, show. That, that, that's a train wreck that I would definitely watch all the time. <laughs> and yes, it would last way longer than our shit fucking show. Of which. Um, that's that's another one someday that has nothing to do with InfoSec that you'd love to hear about because I wrote up an entire TV show and uh, these stupid producer people got a hold of it and then the TV show just recently came out. Like, even stole the name and, like, word for word, my intro for it. Um, I'm, I'm talking to Christian Slater, right? Y- yes, uh, honey. It's, it's yes. Jack, Jack Nickerson? It's Jack Nickerson. <laughs> Fuck you, extra. I'm not an extra. I'm <clears throat> the hot chick. Yeah, Ryan's the hot chick. Yay, Ryan's the hot chick. <laughs> I thought you were the black guy. I'm not big enough down there. Oh. You mean in Australia? I thought Luke was the... No, I wasn't the hacker in our show. The black <laughs> dude's the hacker. The most they, they, off you can't, you can't be a hacker on TV anymore without being black. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot... <clears throat> There's a law. That's why, leverage, that's why. Got, that's why. That's uh, why. By the Evans. way, breaking in actually got picked up for another season. So Fox, thankfully, said no, no, no. We need more. <laughs> All right. To 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 more interesting things. Um, so, as you were talking about with Arata. Yep. Um, how do you how do you get your subjects for errata? Like where where does it all come from? It really depends on the section. So <clears throat> for security companies, companies, auto fail, most of that stuff comes across mainstream news. Um, everything from infosec news to um, some of the Twitter streams. Who's typing? Ryan. Oh, all of us are. <laughs> Ryan's typing. It's him. It's his fault. I didn't do it. My bad. Okay, so um, charlatans, that's kind of an interesting one. It started out just by seeing the same names appear in the media mm-hmm. and listening to little blurbs on Fox or CNN or reading sound bites in the news that were completely inaccurate or just 
over-dramatizing everything. So just started taking notes and eventually said, wait a minute, this same guy is appearing way too many times, saying all the same stupid shit. And when you put it all together on one page, it starts to become very damning. For legal threats, that's kind of a combination of uh, information security list and some legal list. For plagiarism, that actually started out, um, I want to say it was uh, Ben Rothke. He detected plagiarism in one book, sent it to us. We verified it. Yeah. And then we started looking at additional sources. And that, that was the first time I had ever heard of Authenticate. Which yeah. I started using a bunch of was, yeah, that, was that cool. I think it was that article or the one that you wrote after that that talked about that. Yeah, uh, we don't use Authenticate. I'll get in that in a minute, but uh, I know Ben does, and so we started finding additional uh, books and articles that had plagiarism. And then more recently, uh, there's a few people that said, "Well, hey, wait a minute! I wrote stuff five years ago," and they would Google their own works and find it in books that have been written since. So we started getting reports from people saying, oh, by the way, these three books have my stuff without permission. So, yeah, it's definitely picking up on that one. Nice. So is it normally like a random security book or are they like actual books like the Hacking Exposed series or a series of books that people would actually recognize that are committing the plagiarism? It's a little of both. Um, it's not any one publisher necessarily, unless you count Legat Publishing. Uh, they're the number one offender. Go figure. Does he actually have a publishing company that's called Legat Publishing? No, it's basically print on demand. Um, it's with his own name. It's not a full publishing company. So it's like so, that whatever Lula service or whatever Amazon had for a while? I, I want to say it's a little different than that. I haven't looked into the actual publishing, but his books, a couple of them are near impossible to find. So there weren't that many copies actually printed. Um Thompson Course Technology, which became um, Cengage, Cengage being one of the SOPA sponsors. They've nice. got two books published uh, with plagiarism up on the, the page right now, and then I've got a third and maybe a fourth from them. And if the third, well, the third definitely has plagiarized content. If the fourth does, then there's a good chance the entire series of like 20 books do. Jeez. So that'll be a bitch to go through them all. <laughs> Uh, Singress has one, Diamond Books one, um, Dr. Ali Jahangiri, he's uh, self-published three books. That's another one that I think is print-on-demand. So, yeah, it, it's a combination. Um, no one publisher is completely guilty, but the very big books, like you mentioned, so far we haven't found anything in those, and we have spot-checked several. Okay. So what, <clears throat> sorry, when you say you're finding the plagiarism, like what, what, I guess the criteria for, for actually making it, I mean, is it like word for word for a paragraph or is it multiple yeah, it, pages? I mean, there, there's no set criteria as far as it needs to be more than 83 words, but it's more or less the spirit. So if there's just a couple lines here or there and the person tried to rewrite them somewhat, yeah, it's not the best work, but that's not enough to actually brand them as a plagiarist. For the ones that we have up, we're talking the entire book is often 50 to 99% plagiarized, <laughs> word for word. Like like Mr. Evans. Yeah, so these are people that are taking oftentimes two and three paragraphs, and they may edit two or three words out of 100. So that becomes very obvious that it's plagiarized. 
And the other thing that we uh, take into account is how many sources did they pull from? You know, if it's just one occasionally, okay, they're using it as a reference and they're not properly citing their reference. It's bad, but it's not necessarily, you know, damning. But when they pull from 15 different references and it's 33% of the book, that's plagiarism. Right. Gotcha. So you said you don't use uh, Authenticate. Right. Authenticate uh, has several weaknesses. Um, number one, the, the format. You have to basically upload, I believe it's PDF or maybe doc or something else. I know PDF is one of the formats. Okay. That's not the most friendly. Number two, the biggest complaint, and um, I actually sent this as feedback to them because I uh, did a trial run through Authenticate. When they return the results, they don't show the year of the results. So if I'm comparing a book written in 2008 and it comes back saying, oh, yeah, there's plagiarism all over, well, I go start checking these links and find out that, no, it's these blogs written in 2009 2010 that are plagiarizing from the book. So without those dates, you really don't know which direction the plagiarism is going. And that became a real limiting factor. Um, the other problem is, is that some of these authors are, I don't know if it's intentional or they think that they're properly writing their own material, but there's, an, there's enough word change to make it so that it doesn't really get a lot of hits. So you have to do uh, searches for like three or four phrases where each phrase is two or three words. Gotcha. So, so once you guys get to the point where where you spend a ridiculous amount of time going through these, what's what's the outcome or what's the intended outcome? <clears throat> it depends. So right now, um, there's going to be a new company put up on Charlatans probably any day now. They're guilty of several things, one of which is plagiarism, um, but. One of the kind of messes behind the scenes is that the books are branded under their name, but they're written by a different company, Cengage. So okay. I contacted the company in question and said, hey, look, you know, your books contain plagiarized material. Do you have anything to say? They said, not our fault. Cengage did it. So I said, well, are you going to talk to them? They said, yes. While they were doing that, I went to Singris and said, by the way, this other company has been plagiarizing your content. What do you want to do about it? And they said, we're going to go talk to our lawyers. We're going to go talk to them. So all of that's going on behind the scenes. So the goal is to make sure the public knows what's going on. Because if you bought this book and you paid $30, $40 for a security book that's heavily plagiarized, you basically got ripped off. And you should go for a refund or you should file a complaint. One goal is to make sure that these companies start doing better jobs at tech editing. Uh, when you tech edit a book, it's not just about changing a little grammar and making sure it sounds good. The tech editor ideally should be checking for plagiarism. Right. Number, number two, it's to make sure that these authors are called out so they don't keep getting contracts where they're, they're churning out these books once a month that's heavily plagiarized content. Gotcha. And honestly, if you're buying a book for, that's in security for 30 or 40 bucks, um, you're probably buying a cheap book anyway, because I don't know many books that are only 30 or 40 bucks in security. Yeah, it tends to be that the, the really good technical ones uh, are up in the 50 to 80 range. Yeah. But some of the mass produced that are kind of, they're not really aimed toward any one discipline, but they're more multi-topic. They tend to be down in the 30 to 40 range. 
So are you guys having to go out and buy each one of these books? Are you borrowing them from people? Or are you um, all with, all the above? Actually, I want to say I borrowed one, but it didn't end up having plagiarism. And when I tried to give it back, he said keep it, so I'm donating it to Denhack next time I'm down there. Okay. Otherwise, we have bought every single book that's up there. Jesus. And on top of that, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> You're out of control, dude. <laughs> On top of that, I have 13 books sitting by my desk that uh, are all pretty much confirmed with some level of plagiarized content that I haven't done reviews of yet. So when you, when you do the when you buy the book and you find the plagiarism, do you go back at them and be like, "I want my fucking money back"? Uh, no. Um, one of the reasons that I buy them is so that I have a copy as evidence, uh, which I'm big on. Right. And. Down the road, like if they decide to, if it's a relatively new book, they may yank them, they may destroy 99% of the copies. I just want to make sure that someone out there has a copy for proof, that all the evidence isn't destroyed. Um, having a book was also useful in a, a recent one. Um, everyone knows that I'm kind of working on a second article about ISC2, and the gist of the upcoming article, which is probably a good month or two off, uh, even though now most of the research is done. Uh, was about their code of ethics. Mm -hmm. So a CISSP did two-thirds of a book and heavily plagiarized the content. Okay. The lead author of the book agreed that, yes, that's plagiarism. The tech editor who plagiarized confirmed and posted an apology saying, yes, I plagiarized, I was in a hurry, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. And then I went to ISC2 and said, hey, since I bought a copy of this book, I'm, you know, I was hurt in this transaction, and I'm going to file an ethics complaint against the person who plagiarized. Right. So it, it came in value there because if you file a complaint, you have to have what they call standing, meaning you have to actually be the one hurt by the unethical behavior. If I didn't buy that book, I couldn't have filed the complaint. Long story short, ISC2 said, oh, there's not enough evidence. We're not going to do anything. He's fine. Got it. So so as as all of this is going on, um, the, the, does that make your opinion of them even worse now? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty bad to begin with. Um, I ended up filing, I believe, six complaints. Five of the six were rejected, and they were varying levels of unethical behavior. And I thought most of them, all but one, had pretty substantial evidence behind it. Mm -hmm. They accepted one complaint against Joe Black because he told them, fuck off, I'm an ex-CISSP. Mm. That's the only complaint they're acting on. The rest of them, they said, nope, not enough evidence, or we don't think this is bad, they can proceed. Not enough evidence. Yeah, that's, that's it, awesome. That doesn't sound like <laughs> like you guys at all. You guys go overboard on the evidence. Yeah. So I, I filed these complaints <laughs> with the, the varying degrees as kind of a, a a case study, and that's what the next article is going to be about: is going through their procedure, how it works, uh, the pitfalls, what you have to do. Because I ended up having to refile three of them, for example. And uh, yeah, the process is convoluted and. My personal opinion is that it's just for show. Yeah, I mean, from from the the time that I've had some interaction with you recently, <coughs> and all of the years that I've watched you put 
put out articles and, and your team put out articles, um, I have never, ever been lacking substance or evidence when I read them. Most of the time it's like, <laughs> fuck, get back to what you were saying. Yeah. But but um, I'm with it, and, and, and I think that, that it's good. And I think that it provides something for the, the community and for people out there at large who – vastly rely on faith and human nature of just oh everybody's a you know good and uh man sometimes some of the nicest people are really the like fucking most evil crazy ones in the in the movies and i think that that's true in real life and and evidence supports it or it doesn't and and i think that that it just makes it just makes for all the difference in the world to have the facts Right, and that, that's one of the reasons that so much time is spent even on a single article and why the content trickles out is because I want to make sure that everything is backed very well by evidence. And in many cases, uh, the evidence that you actually see on any one of these articles is only a piece of it where I have other evidence where I was told, hey, here's the evidence. A source gives this to me. I, I validate it, but I can't publish it. So oftentimes, yeah, um, just for fun, I have 158 megs of archived errata material, which is a combination of email conversations, evidence, documentation, notes, what led up to the article. You know, it, it's a lot of material. That's, that's crazy, especially because most of that material is, <clears throat> you know, emails and links and text and stuff like that. It's just, that's just a lot of information. I think... You know, when, when people hear X number of megs of material, they, they go, oh, well, that's like one one thing. Yeah, you know? except it's yeah. a text file. But, but so yeah, like when, when you start talking about of them. like having a hundred meg of text files, or like email, shit got really large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're talking some email threads with a hundred mails back and forth, uh, not arguing, but kind of debating a single point of an article. And we have emails going back 10 years. So, yeah, it, it's quite a bit of material. And that's the one thing I, I really can't emphasize enough. And uh, Wim, he uh, released an article, I want to say yesterday, where he kind of outlined, if you don't understand the process, there's a lot that goes behind it. And he hit the nail on the head. And as you saw recently, Chris, yeah, there's a very high standards. You know, just sending me one document isn't proof to me. There has to be some way to validate the document or there has to be enough material for me to say, yeah, there's something wrong here. We can write about this. Right. Well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Wim's article had, had I not gone through the process, I don't think I would have understood in the same way that I understand it now. Right. Um, you know, for for anyone who doesn't know Wim or, or hasn't seen it, it's uh, I think it's Wimming Soup Yeah, I think uh, that's W I M M I N G. Um, and, and Wim goes on to talk about how when he was working with with you and your team on the project that that it wasn't this oh I have an assertion and I'll make it and then you know you guys go out and dig for all of this stuff. Um, it is a extremely hardcore vetting process from the point of I have something to bitch about to getting to the point of, okay, it sounds like something that's even reasonable 
to start talking about I mean just just the beginning of that process to me seems huge in comparison to some other people who are like they're they're 10 steps down the road just because you said oh yeah this person's mean right so <laughs> one of the things also to remember is like with Wim he basically handed us an article already written on a silver platter and that's still you know he had all the evidence and everything but that wasn't enough we had to go through we had to verify it and then i went through the extra steps of saying well if uh if all of this is correct then odds are they've done it again so i went out and looked for extra evidence that he hadn't found wrote all of that up and at that point i was like okay i verified his evidence i verified my own there's obviously something here and we released it right um and and so what's what's happened with that one so far because because i know that that has turned up into a, a pretty large event well, and again, what's what's? Can you guys go into? Because oh, not yeah. everybody knows what Wim wrote about. So, yeah. So, will you cover that a little bit of kind of what happened and and kind of the story of that? Yeah. So, um, we're talking about InfoSec Institute. Um, it ends up that some of their coursework originally plagiarized uh, Peter and the Coralon.be team, and so basically, ISI was teaching classes uh, to the tune of you know thousands of dollars. Uh, per student and using material that they didn't write is the foundation of their class. In addition to that, I found a wide variety of additional plagiarism on their web page. Um, and jumping back to another point when you say, you know, uh, what's the end goal of this? ISI, um, I ended up actually mailing the CEO and saying, hey, look, you know, there's plagiarism. Uh, this is going on. We're going to be publishing. I was polite. I gave him a heads up. And for several weeks, we mailed back and forth uh, with me giving him updates of our progress, uh, what we were going to publish and everything. And I actually ended up helping to write uh, ISI's public apology and response. You know, because, really? yeah, they, they wrote one. They sent it to me and they said, you know, does this sound like the right course of action? And I said, yeah, it's a great start, but you should consider this, this, and this. And they're like, oh, yeah, those are great points, you know. So, yeah, it was a joint effort and helped them write it. And I'd like to help. I'd like to think that I helped them, kind of uh, up their integrity moving forward to help catch the plagiarism, because ISI is a company that uses independent contractors all over, and they have to. They didn't really have a vetting process for the material coming in through those contractors. So moving forward, uh, if everything is going according to their plan, then yeah, any new material they take on will be checked for plagiarism and technical accuracy both. That's awesome, um, and and I think it's really cool that the stuff that you've been doing that you guys have committed these massive amounts of time to is is actually making a difference. I mean, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times people don't say anything, and they don't do anything, and they don't make things public because they, they feel like, well, even if I do it, it's not going to make a difference. Um, yeah. Um, it it's kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, you publish something, you're going to give the company a black eye of sorts, but if you do it correctly and if you give the company a chance to work through the process and you don't go after them in a hardcore name-calling way, then yeah, it's going to help motivate them to change for the better, and that's the end goal of all this. Well, I think the, I think the other reason people don't make it something public is because, well, maybe they're concerned about becoming a target themselves. 
in retaliation because they don't know how to present it in the right way. Yeah. Right. No, and that's a definitely a legitimate concern. But part of it is, is that if the company comes out and just does straight across the board denials or tries to attack the person making the claims, then, yeah, they're going to make themselves that target. But if the company says, look, we screwed up, we acknowledge that, moving forward, this is how we're going to fix it. These are the steps we're implementing. This is the time frame. And this is our promise to the community and to our paying customers. And it's sincere. Then people should support that company because they're actually trying to improve. They're working on their integrity, and that's a good thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so I know you got the plagiarism section. What, what are the? I know you have a charlatan page as well. Yeah, charlatans are right now 15 people, uh, two journalists, four companies, and the fifth company will be published any day now. Um, there's a kind of... It's public, but not blatant uh, charlatan watch list with 12 more people on it. And then the fun part is there's about 75 people or companies on an unpublished watch list, which kind of serves as our two research list. Those 75 people are a combination of people or companies we've kept our eye out on and people that have been submitted to us, sometimes with evidence, sometimes not, sometimes kind of flaky. So... Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, no telling how long it's going to take or if we'll ever finish that list. Right. Are there any podcasts up on there? <laughs> Just ours. <laughs> it's on the unpublished Charlatan podcast list. I don't think there are any podcasts on there, no. No, no, like Leo Laporte or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, dude, I just, I just started dying. Um, the, the old Drama Llama Sec account. Did you see that recent tweet that they just put up? I saw their activity yesterday. I haven't seen it today. Yeah, just just a second ago. It was really, really funny. <laughs> it was, oh, you have to be joking at a certain oh. person. He goes, I make a few little comments and he blocked me. What the fuck? Wait, I'll see you at beat. Oh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That, that, that shit... That shit gets a favorite right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, all right, so so talk to me about the Charlatans page because because that page has been a a hot button for chatter for as long as it's been up. It always produces some kind of wonderful giant remark from not only every person on there but. You know, people in the community tend to, I think, watch that page for for validation of, of going after somebody. I mean, and not going after them harmfully, but but saying like, hey, you know, you're full of shit. Yeah. Um, part of it is that for the most part, um, as we've seen, the uh, anytime any security practitioner goes to the news or any kind of uh, journalism outfit, there's very little due diligence done these days, you know, so a journalist will basically take everything they hear on faith, do very little in the way of fact-checking, and just go to print with it. And that's not how it's supposed to work, and that's not how it used to work. So a lot of these charlatans, they end up being glorified media whores. They go to all these news outlets. They solicit. They say, hey, talk to our expert. And uh, the media outlets do, and sometimes they get a colorful character, and that sells. They don't really care about the facts because facts don't sell, as witnessed by our news. As witnessed by all of Fox. 
<laughs> so yeah, all of a sudden, and then the charlatan in turn spins that and says, well, I've been quoted on the news 87 times. It's like, well, great. That means you weren't fact-checked 87 times. And I think uh, the charlatan page gets a lot of attention because it's one of the only places that documents any of this showing that people aren't who they say they are. Right. Well, um, who's your favorite on the list? <clears throat> My favorite on the list. Yeah. It's a big list now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. But let's, how about this? Who's, who's your favorite just in security or who's your favorite overall if they're different? It's hard to say the word favorite. Um, I can say, for example, Greg Evans definitely takes up the most time of the charlatans because he opens his mouth the most and <laughs> produces the least factual content. Um, Ankit Fadia, he's a, kind of a riot. Uh, had a, a less than amusing, and I want to say run-in, but that's a bad term because he actually kind of ran from me. He was visiting Denver, and I warned him. I, was, I told him I was going to be downtown and ask him some very direct questions. And uh, they ended up sneaking him out the back door so he didn't have to confront me. Oh, and he called the police saying I was there to kill him. What? Yeah. Denver police was there to protect him because he told the police that I was going to hurt him. Holy cow. <laughs> Even though my tweets are very clear, says, hey, I'm going to ask you questions and I'm, it's going to be on the record, you know. And I even gave him a, a tip as to what the topics would be. Um... One of them that's not very well documented because he's basically a glorified windbag is Ira Winkler. You can catch him at all these conferences and these presentations and news articles where he's just opening his mouth and saying a lot of crap. But other than that, there's just not much to document. I can document the same thing over and over, but it just doesn't really do the same thing. You know, it doesn't do it justice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So, so, you know, even, even with these things being here, are you finding that, that it is something that makes some difference when you approach these conference organizers or news outlets or any of those and link them out to it and say, hey, look, you know, this person's completely full of it. I mean, do they ignore you or did some of them respond? I mean, what, what happens? It, it's a little of each um, as one example. So, uh, sometimes we'll send the link to the Charlotte page to the news organization and say, you know, here's the reason you should find a better expert. There's a ton out there. You don't have to settle for this guy. There's the problem that if they let the charlatan on the show without doing due diligence, they're not going to do due diligence on our research either. They just kind of skim it and say, oh, well, it looks like you hate the guy, so I'm going to ignore it. It's like, you know, it's not about hate. It's about documenting all the bad things the person's done or all the incorrect information he's given. But sometimes they just view it as, oh, this is a smear campaign. It's like, yeah, that's why I did it against 15 people in four companies, because I'm just a guy with a bunch of grudges. No, it's about, you know, systematic documentation of uh, a lack of integrity in the industry. It's nothing more than that. Hmm. Well, I, I, I hope that those things continue and that the traction of it continues, because... Um, to, to, to kind of get a little on the next topic of that um, it's a lot of work to, to to get those articles up and I know that even Wim talked about it but I mean from from my experience man like 
I went through three plus years of email and hold on a second. Oh, if there's Bailey's down there, will you get it for me? Ryan's going to get coffee. Um, so I went through three plus years of email. Um, you IM'd me, I don't know, like multiple questions a day, every day, all night, 24 hours for how many weeks? <laughs> and I would resend the questions every eight hours if you hadn't answered them. <laughs> Dude. And if I and if I answered it somewhat incomplete, you would just send me the same thing and be like, yeah, what you sent doesn't work. And then yeah. I would get these, oh, God, you guys have no fucking idea. Like, I would get the, how did you see, you know, how did this happen? Like, not like a, just show me all of these emails and I'll derive fact from whatever the thread is or copies of it, whatever else. It was, describe this situation. So yeah. I would, you know, like after being hounded for fucking detail by like, you know, my, my high school English teacher, you know, was like kicking my ass. I would write these like long winded fucking every single detail I could think of things. And you would pretty much just be like, yeah, that's great. So here's nine more questions that I have from the email that you sent. And I don't really care about what you wrote. Now I have these questions. Right. So. And the, the whole reason that I do that is because if Ryan and I email each other 10 times and you read that thread, you'll have a pretty good idea of what we said. But what you may be missing is the context of what led up to the thread, what happened in the middle. Did we have phone conversation, IM? Did we talk in person? Was there anything else going on that influenced those mails? Right. In addition to that... Was there something else going on between me and another person that made me in turn change how I reacted to Ryan? So right. There's just way too many things going on for email alone to be conclusive. Yep. And th that's why I need the backstory. What led up to it? What was going on during that? Who can validate what was going on during that other than you? Right. And, and, and I know for a fact you also don't even accept uh, things coming in. Uh, as something to start unless there's already multiple sources that can be validated outside of the person with whatever complaint or, or claim or, or whatever the hell you'd call it, right? Right, and that's part of the reason that there are 75 people on the, um, the to-do list is because we get a lot of mails where someone will say, oh, go check out John Doe, and they may provide a single URL with it. Well, that, that's one person griping about one incidence with no context. Right. So it's not a lot to go on. So, yeah, it's low priority. But if we get five different people mailing about the same person with a dozen URLs, all of a sudden that has more context around it that a lot of this person is more visible. A lot of people are offended by what he's saying. And there's more evidence to go look into to find out what their grievance is. Right. Right. So, um, as, as a follow to that is, uh, is there anyone on that list that's close or anyone that besides the people who are already up there, um, that are 4,500 or so listeners may have some information on, um, Not if you like it's fucking America's most wanted. If you yeah. have any information on this man, please call. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually been a kind of a debate I've we've had among uh, two or three of us is so we have this watch list 
if we publish the list of names, that becomes prejudicial. Yeah, you're right. Because you're right. if we publish the names, there's no context about how we got their names. Yeah. So John Doe may be one of those, here's a name in one URL, and Jane Doe may be one of those 15 people mailed us about, but on that list, there's no indication of that. And if we put on the list like a three-star rating next to, ooh, we're really interested in this person, that becomes even more prejudicial. Yeah. So because enough. of that, we haven't published the list. So I guess the, the main takeaway is if you see something that seems like it should be content for errata, regardless of who it is or how low profile you think they are, just send it in. You know, because eventually if we get their name enough times, it moves them up on the to-do list. Right. So what's, what's, what's the address to send them in? Errata at attrition.org. Awesome. Well, hopefully people will, will flood that. That would just make me happy. I mean, it, you know, aside from the DDoS that I'm paying for, just yeah. to keep my own name In off In the of past uh, two to three months, we've actually been getting a considerable amount more submissions from outside people, which has been a huge blessing to us. It's helped us not only find additional uh, people and companies that need attention, but they're actually doing some of the footwork for us. You know, someone mails us the name of a book and three URLs that it looks like they plagiarized from. Well, that's a lot better than just, oh, this book contains plagiarism. You figure the rest out. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've had a conversation with someone like that before where I was like, this sucks and it's shady. And I got promptly told to fuck myself until I had some type of evidence. And even when I had evidence, it was, <laughs> yeah, that's not even close to enough. Um, which turned into me spending like, you know, three or four hours, which, you know, for anyone in InfoSec, when you spend three or four hours on something, when we're used to indexing very large parts of the internet or technologies or learning about something, like three or four hours for us is a lot of time. And I, I got told, great, looks nice, you know, still not even close. Um, and then, you know, as I started getting more into the days and multiple points of it, it started getting to, you know, oh, this is interesting now. Like before right. I before I got to any part of, you know, oh, yeah, this this is good. It's more just, oh, yeah, you've now created something that's interesting, which is fucking heartbreaking, especially when you're really trying. So I can, I can uh, commiserate with with poor Wim on that one because I know he spent because you know when he was making that article, I know he spent boatloads of time doing all of that, and and I'm sure you know, you guys. The other, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the other fun part about Wim is that even after he we got through with his little piece of the uh, puzzle, yeah, for the next four weeks he probably got a dozen mails a day from me. Uh, CCs, BCCs, with all the follow-up and me pursuing it even more and more. And uh, I imagine I flooded him pretty bad with that. Dude, Mike just put out his response. Yep, there you go. Well, I'll look at that in a minute. Um, and one thing to do with the, uh, the B-sides thing is after you had sent the original note months and months ago, uh, two of us actually did quite a bit of digging, a couple hours one night, starting to look into all of that, we took our own notes and said, yeah, it's a little suspect, but it's not enough to go on. And then 
recently in the past two weeks, you came back with a little more information. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's a little more. That's, that's kind of interesting. And I won't give away the exact amount, but it was over six different people affiliated with these sides in one fashion or another that ended up giving me information for that article. So if anyone's under the illusion that this was an article written completely on Chris's content, that's completely false. Dude, um, <clears throat> thanks. Because <laughs> <laughs> while, while I spent an absolutely ridiculous amount of time quantifiable by the level of anger that my wife feels about me right now and the number of times I had to sleep on the couch. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to say like, out there. like doing one of these things affects your home life. Uh, if you live with people and, uh, and even with that being said, I wasn't the one asking questions of six different people and putting all of this shit together. So I, I have absolutely no idea how, how you do it. Like I, I totally have, like to me, it just doesn't make sense that, that you could ask me as many questions as you do. And I could forward you as much shit as I have. And you're still asking questions of like six other people. Like I, I don't even get it, dude. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is, uh, even though a lot of this is just published under errata, there are times where it will go under, like, for example, my name. And those articles, I do that because I believe in accountability. And if I'm going to take someone to task for something that I perceive as them doing incorrectly, wrong, unethically, whatever, uh, it's just as important for me to be held accountable as I am holding them accountable. Right. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, I I think that it's it is just it's super admirable um, that you've taken it on and really at the end of the day and, and it's where it's where I always get down when I start talking about intelligence gathering and looking into people's backgrounds and stuff like that. But but the real <clears throat> the real indicator to me of of people and their quality and what they do and how they do it is that from what I see, there's really nothing for you to gain out of this. And there's no real, I mean, real tangible, like I'm making money off of it or I'm becoming a rock star, whatever. Right. Like there's no, there's no benefit. And, um, and, and the, the, there's, there's no benefit in that sense, obviously, but, you know, that's what I mean. Morally, you know what I mean? Right. There, there's absolutely no money being made right now. And, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know, three, four months ago, I started publishing a ledger of all the money related to errata because we started getting some donations and uh, for money and books. So there's an entire ledger on securityerrata.org. And right now, I think I'm about $500 in the hole, which is, it's not much money, but it's definitely not about that. Um, my name is not attached to 99% of it. The other people that are working on the project, their name's not attached to the ones they write. So, yeah, it's not about name recognition. It's more or less just kind of, hey, we're all working in this industry and we need to up our standards, especially if we're telling our customers to up theirs. Right, right. And and I think that that's another, you know, great point about some of the other things that we've been bringing up. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm sure that you're, you're itching like I am 
to finish. Well, I just finished pretty much well, the article. I'm sure you probably have been reading it too. Actually, no, I, I haven't. Um, okay. And before we uh, go, there was two questions put to us on Twitter that I want to answer for them. Awesome. So uh, the first one, Tom Brennan from OWASP. He uh, says that OWASP has been around since 2004. Um, they post budgets, tax returns, etc., and he gave the URL on his feed. He asked, should this be used as a model for, you know, basically communities open standards? And um, my answer to that is for any community-driven 501c3 or not-for-profit organization, yes, that's a great idea. And by community-driven, I mean, uh, for example, B-Sides and OWASP, it's not one person calling all the shots. It's this amazing collection of volunteers that sink a lot of their own time and resources into it. And if they are part of the organization and they're making the organization move forward and help the industry, then they have a right to know how that organization operates. And to some degree, that means you open your books. It doesn't, have, it doesn't mean you know listing every single receipt and line item, but there should be at least a general accountability for, well, we took in this much money, we gave this much to this conference, we did this much for this uh, sponsorship, we, you know, some idea of what happened. So as an idea, yes, look at OWASP. They are very open about what they do, the money they take in um, for a, I want to say a less than stellar example, look at ISC2. They are 501 c I believe. Yeah, they, they are, they're a, a nonprofit. Yeah, they, they publish a yearly report and basically it says, hi, we made a hundred million dollars. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and they, they talk about, awesome. oh, well, we Thank pushed you. into seven more countries and we've done this and we're expanding. Well, great. So what have you done for the community? What have you given back to the community? What have you sponsored? What charities have you donated to? How many people do you hire? What's their salaries? You know, there's a lot of questions behind that. Um, second question from Security Ninja. The approach to running B-Sides Con has been excellent and should continue, but is the brand terminally damaged? Absolutely not. And he qualifies, I mean damaged from a company wanting to associate with it as a brand if it is, has a bad smell point of view. So the approach to B-Sides, the actual framework is excellent. It's a great cause. It needs to continue at all cost. Maybe it's not under the B-Sides name. Maybe it is. Maybe it becomes C-Sides, D-Sides. It doesn't matter. It's not about the name. It's about continuing to make these great events, giving alternate venues, giving more people a chance to present their ideas, and even more importantly, a place to discuss those ideas. Not where one person, one person gets up and lectures for an hour and then you have no contact with them. So is the brand terminally damaged? Absolutely not. Um, I believe Chris has already spoken to a lot of the sponsors and they're committed to continuing to help. Yep. Um, last night I talked to one volunteer and reminded them that the events are great because of the foot soldiers, the ones on the ground running the show, not the politicians calling the shots from a thousand miles away. So it's all yes. those volunteers that do all the little things that some of what you see, some you don't. The ones that are handing out badges, the ones that are making sure the catering is there, and the venues lined up, that all the costs are covered. All that stuff behind the scenes, that's not done by any one person. It's done by dozens. So keep that up. And if the brand is tarnished because of one person, then I think someone's got the wrong outlook. If a company says, well, there's some controversy there, 
Uh, don't. It's not controversy about B-sides. It's controversy about one person's involvement. And right. that person apparently just posted you know, their response, and hopefully more facts come out. And if the facts are basically say, well, security errata is wrong, good. We're fine with that. We'll make a retraction. We'll, we'll do what's needed. If he says, yep, I did some wrong, but it's not all that bad, then maybe B-Sides continues as is. But one way or another, it needs to continue. That's, I, I, yeah, I can't say it better, man. I, I can't. Um, <coughs> I have poured <clears throat> months of my time into that effort and tens of thousands of dollars into the effort um, and and love it with everything that I have um, and, and applaud every single person who's ever spent 10 seconds in it or doing anything for it. Um, and, and I think that that is what has emotionally charged me throughout all of this to not only continue, but what also was eating away at me as I saw these things going on and I had these questions and nothing was being done, it just, it was just all of those things colliding. And, uh, and I really feel like it's, it's making a difference and it's going to make a difference. And, and B-Sides has made a huge difference, but I think that, that the, the article is published and the way it was done, the way it was written um, is a force of positive change in the organization and, and absolutely the opposite of, of destroying the brand. I think it, it brings to light an organization that grew out of its clothes too fast and all of a sudden got called out for being naked. Right. And, and I think that, you know, part of this is, is really getting down to, you know, look, if you're going to be a community and a community effort, you know, you can't have a totalitarian dictator you can't be selective about which parts belong to the community. Right. It's either open or not open. And, and it is binary. And, um, and I just feel like this is an extremely cool opportunity to make something that was this ad hoc growth idea into something that will actually last. And, and I, don't, I think without this, it wouldn't have lasted. Um, if, I, think, I think somebody would have gotten materially damaged from it. Possibly, yeah, and uh, that's one of the things that we'll never know, and maybe it's a blessing that the article was released. Um, maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, one other point, some people were asking, you know, it's like, why now? Uh, why did the article finally come out? It's not that there was any one big thing that, that sparked the article. It was just kind of the, the slow boiling, you know, and eventually a few people said something's going on, something's not right. You know, some people had a better idea of what that may or may not be. Others were like, I know something's wrong. I can validate some of these facts, but that's the best I can do. I'll put them all together and, you know, we released what we could. So, yeah, it definitely wasn't one thing and it wasn't, oh, I don't like Mike, you know, I don't care for him. He doesn't care for me. That's public knowledge, but it's not a personal attack against him. It's, hey, B-Sides is a great thing. Don't run it into the ground. Right, right. I mean, dude, I don't like him. He knows that. I've told him to his face I don't like him. He's a bitch. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'll, I'll tell him, his mom, his fucking friends, everybody. Fuck that dude. Um, but I have spent a long time in my career working with friends <clears throat> and working with people I don't like, and there is a very distinct difference between what I do 
for and with the community and for and with work than what I do in my own personal time. And I know that's not the same for everybody, but I mean, that's, that's how it is. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, I just think it's, I'm so excited about it. I mean, and I, I relayed this privately to a number of the very, very, very large sponsors that, you know, once this settles down and if it can be organized and if it can truly be open and not be this placated totalitarianism bullshit, right? If, if it can actually be open and actually have a board and actually have members and, and do all these things that, that we were really barking about early on in the process. Um, and then I think, you know, growth got a hold of it. And, and truly, as I told all of those sponsors, I don't think Mike did anything out of malice. I don't think he had ill intent. I don't think he was trying to steal money or anything like that. I just think that he was in way the fuck over his head and he got really, really interested in the fame that he was getting and didn't want to give that away because if he started distributing those duties, then B-Sides was going to be someone else's and he wasn't going to be able to write on all of his profiles and get TEDx speeches about why he was the founder. He was going to just be a member and I don't think he wanted to be a member. I think he wanted right. to be the guy who got the credit. And Someone mailed me yesterday saying the same thing, uh, basically, that, um, you know, that was this a personal attack against him? No. Uh, you know, do you have an interest in seeing him go down? No. Uh, you know, I, I don't like him, like I said, but that's the extent of it. Um, you know, that's why we try to back everything with fact and evidence uh, to the best of our ability. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that's um, that's all I have to, to, to say on that topic aside from anybody who has a problem with the organization. Um, I think if you watch closely, it's going to change real quick. Anybody that is worried about this financials and all of these things um, – I think a boot was put far enough in his ass to finally start learning how to do the right thing. And since, you know, his law, the article they just wrote claims, you know, they engaged a bookkeeper and all this other stuff. Fucking good. About time, dude. Um, and, and things are on the fast track because of some diligent work of a lot of fucking people. A lot of people. I Absolutely. think that this is now something that should be remembered as the turning point of when B-Sides grew the fuck up and stopped being a skitty and started being something more than it ever was. Uh, and remember that anyone can uh, form their own B-Sides event, they can get their own sponsors, and they can do it all on their own. They do not need any of the, the money or support from the mothership. Right, well, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that I liked about what B-Sides taught everybody after about two years was that it doesn't – you don't have to have a whole boatload of money. You don't have to be some big popular conference. It's really easy to start up a 200-person conference. Right. Yeah. B-Sides Atlanta has been going on for two years. They had, what, 300, 400 people walk through the door? Yeah, hell yeah. And they it's, didn't – They're killing it. Yeah. To put on one of the events uh, with a couple sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – and. and you know, everything's different. The, the the thing that I was happiest most about any of these is that it became you could make your conference. Right. 
all of us have a conference that we want to go to, right? It's in our head. And and now that is something that I think B-Sides has helped empowered people to go, you know what, maybe it's not a stupid idea to have a conference at a ski resort so I can blend skiing <laughs> and going to a security conference together, right? Like maybe it's not crazy to rent a bus that's also a boat and have talks on the thing while we drive around town and have drinks. Like, like all of these things are just so cool. And, and I think that it, it just, it broke down some barriers for people. And, and, you know, unfortunately this, this organizational structure thing, it's a fucking hiccup and it, you know, people do douche stupid things because they get overwhelmed and they get, you know, drunk on power or fame or, or whatever the hell, or they just get too busy and shit happens. Um, but, but man, how, how cool is it that I think that this thing will be able to survive? So, so to, to that question, um, fuck no, I think B-Sides is going to grow wildly after this. I think this will be a catalyst for B-Sides to actually grow instead of maintain the stagnant state that it was in, which was nothing more than a big mouthpiece with, with no balls behind it. And I think in January, we're going to see... Chris put on B-Sides Breckenridge, B-Sides Aspen, and B-Sides Vale back-to-back. Hell yes. (laughs) Hell yes. Are you kidding me? Like, once the snow actually starts getting good, I mean, because we got dumped on today and yesterday. We got 20 inches in the mountains yesterday. Oh, dude. Like I said, I mean, there's a lot of shoveling still to do. I mean, I have have the little neighborhood kids do it. I just wait until Is that why your sidewalks are so clean right now? No, I I do the sidewalk. They just do the driveway. I pay them 10 bucks and... You know, little kids trying to get some cash so they could go out and buy weed or whatever else. I mean, you know, I support that. <laughs> but, all right, man. Well, a- anything else for people that want to contribute, want to help, um, or for the people that just don't like you? Any Anything for any of them? Yeah, that's the big thing. If, if you want to contribute, send us information. If you have questions, ask them, Twitter, email, whatever. Uh, we're as open as we can be. Just remember that... Uh, we act pretty much like journalists, so we protect our sources. There's some evidence that we can or cannot publish, and we will follow the wishes of our sources. Um, if you don't like what we're doing, that's fine, but we would really appreciate it if you would tell us why you don't like it, give us constructive criticism so that we can do it better. Cool. Awesome. I, to be fair, I think you guys act like journalists should act, because I don't think they really act like journalists anymore. Uh, these days, so few do. But I mean, a, a lot of the a lot of the activity and the practices that we keep are modeled after some of the early security industry journalists back in the mid to late '90s. You know, and after watching them and how they operate and how they protect sources, it's like shit. That's the way to do it. That's the way we need to do it. Yep. Well, I will see you in my instant messenger conversation i am sure within the two minutes it will take you to read that article yeah i'm gonna go read that and uh, digest it all right boss hey thank you for everything for for all the shit that you've done for a very long time i i personally thank you for just just putting it out there and and i know that how it is you know being called a fucking asshole all the time and and i and i say thank you with the same smile that you do yep (laughs) <laughs> all right brother we'll talk to you soon talk Thanks to you guys later bye awesome wow the fucking podcast is still recording oh my god bam it lasted longer than 15 minutes finally
Yeah, that's the first time in my life I've lasted <laughs> longer than 15 minutes. Wow. I no, not gonna do that. Um, actually, tactical tactical intel on uh, Twitter. Right as Brian was hanging up, it says attrition doesn't use the word retard enough in their write ups. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas, mm-hmm. dude? Gotta be something. You know, no. I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff. It's it's awesome. I think with like with age, I've started to like really pay attention and want like some of the more simple things in life because the shit that's really complex and expensive, I just buy it. Right. No, I'm the same thing. I'm like, if it, you know, I've gotten the question, "What do you want for Christmas?" I'm like, "Well, I would have said that, but I bought it." Yeah. You know and, what I want for oh, Christmas? Oh, you know that thing over there? Yeah, I got that already. I want. I blame my father for that. <laughs> my dad's constantly yeah. doing that shit. I, I, oh, I like that. Boop. Bought that shit. Yeah. Um. I know one thing that I'm probably already getting, and it's and I want it. Okay. But well, I know I'm getting because Jess is like, let's go pick it up after you're done tonight. Mm. Um, is a new speed bag stand and a new heavy bag. Um. Well, now that you got your basement. Yeah, it's all decked. Cleaned. <laughs> and, yeah, and my old speed bag deck is severely fucked up, and my heavy bags ripped and taped. So nice. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, that was like the number one on my list. the 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 other number one on my list is something that I just haven't found like where it exists. Okay, I know it exists, and I've seen it before. Then you haven't used the right Google phrase. Ah, dude, I'm I've been all over it. So, so I, I found pictures of it, but I can't find places to buy it. Okay. Um, but it's this really thin titanium curve that looks almost like a shepherd's hook mm-hmm. for going through the middle of doors that have crash bars to crash bar it from the inside. So it has enough tensile strength that you can put it through, but it's mad thin. It's like super, super, super thin. Okay. But curved and then has this like flat edged side to it to put enough pressure on it and then like you pull it so you can Mm. open crash bar doors from the middle i want that shit badly i just i mean ken dude ken sent me that that underdoor hook yeah that's the fucking bomb that thing is the bomb oh my god i mean for being so simple for being just a big long ass fucking piece it's of a big metal, long coat hanger yeah yeah big giant long ass piece of metal with a hook on the top and then a piece of you know piano wire aircraft wire whatever so that you can slip it under the door and then it's u-shaped at the bottom so after you're done sh- slipping it under the door you push in farther and the long part of it ends up hitting the inside of the door so you mm-hmm. can hear it mm-hmm. and then you just slide it over to where the handle is and pull the string and you fucking open the you know, any handle door, yeah. not circle knobs, but, but L-shaped knobs uh, from the inside. Man, that got me. That got me all up in some banks and all up in some fucking finance shit and all up in everything. Well, and the way to defeat it. Oh, God. Because I, I, saw, I, saw I saw it originally in, in a YouTube video or something. Like, yeah. you know, here's how to defeat hotel room doors. Um, and the way to defeat the tool was by taking a rolled-up towel and sticking it in your... Uh, in your door handle, which, because if you stick the towel in there, you can't get it to hook. That's why. Oh, yeah. 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 That's good. It's actually kind of cool. 
So from now on, Rick goes, "How do you how do you open circle knobs? Uh, pick it. <laughs> no. Shotgun slug. Shotgun your foot. <laughs> Kick the fuck out of it. Oh. Which is good because remember, when you're breaking into banks, you don't need to disable the alarm. All you have to do is know what the code is to say to the people once the alarm goes off. Right. Right. So you, you can you tap the phone. You you listen for fucking, a bit. Yeah. Kick, up, <laughs> kick the shit out of the door. Right. And then set the alarm off and like bug the place when you go in to make a deposit. Set the alarm off while you're there, like fucking kick a window at night or throw a rock or some shit at it as they're closing and they just set the alarm. Mm -hmm. And then just listen to the phone call. Because when you come in there again, it's over. You don't have no bank. You don't have no money. (laughs) What happened to the money? I don't know. Where's the money? I didn't take it. Oh, mm -hmm. Somebody called the alarm company? Yeah. It said it was a false alarm. Be like, oh, no. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, Rick says that we're crossing the streams. So I guess we're going to stop because we're there's crossing like five streams. other. Why are we crossing streams? Uh, dude. There's like five other podcasts that are being recorded right now. So what? Well, I don't care. <laughs> well, I think we should just go jump on all of their podcasts. Yeah. All right. Do you have, uh, oh, do you have Rick on Skype? We can just bring him in. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure I do. Let's see. I closed it. But... Fuck. <laughs> I gotta remember the stupid password again. Yeah. It's 123 B sides. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, Rick's calling me. Hey, it worked. Oh, here we go. I'm logged in. Now we're going to have info, info, exotic liability daily. Yeah, there you go. ISE. So we're crossing the streams, but he's still listening to us? Dude, so. we got to see how many podcasts we can get on. Let's let's uh, <laughs> get get Hayes. Well, he's on. I mean, I only have 27 people listening. Call his ass. Oh, I thought he was going to call us, but all right. Dude, this will, this will officially be the Christmas gangbang. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who else is podcasting that we can call? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who else is podcasting that we can call? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're in, we're in an We're in a loop. fucking crazy loop. That's scary. I got to kill that shit. That's fucking me up. Dude, okay, hold on. Were you guys well, actually listening to the stream? Is that what's going on? Yeah, we were so we were like just fucking around before we get ready to, sh- to record. And it's like, ah, fuck it. We'll listen to the other on. So. Where's... Uh, Let's call Paul into this. <laughs> <laughs> call Paul. Really? Call Paul. Is he on here? I don't care. Just call him. <laughs> Give me a second. Can we not? Why? Why wouldn't you? What? Call him. Call Logan. Can you guys call more people? I want to see how many podcasts we can get, get on at once. Get Logan on. What's that? Get Logan on. Yeah, get Lo- uh, Do you want us to do it or do you want to do it? Dude, I'm standing on Fisherman's Wharf. I'm definitely not doing it. You don't have to tell me about your fucking personal problems. I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> fucking dick. Like, I don't care. You could be you could be on your way to hell. And I'll be like, great. Get Logan on anyway. Wow. <laughs> Can't imagine why and people you call you an love? asshole. Dude, it's all love. That's all right, how we well, I don't it. have anyone. You don't have PDC? Do you guys have Paul's number? Yeah, I'm trying him now. How about Chris Gurley? Uh-uh. He's always on. I, I got his number right here. 
Can, I'll drag him on. Can you drag him on? This is Just awesome. Drag, We're going to have the biggest podcaster gangbang ever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but dicks. That's what we're going to call this episode. <laughs> Tons of dicks. A metric fuck ton of dicks. God. One, two, three. What are you three. guys talking about tonight? Nothing much. No? There's nothing going Same on. Same old about shit, anyway. different day. <laughs> we, don't get, we don't get a preview? I mean, they're going to listen to your podcast anyway after this. Just how about a teaser? What do you, what do you have slated? Because you guys like plan and shit. I know it. We got some news stories. Yeah, we got some news stories. Some news. Yeah. That's good. We don't even do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we fucked. Yeah, we're on this, this, apparently on this Islamic rant where apparently we're discriminating against, like, the fucking uh, Arabs and shit. So I found some Islamic malware. <laughs> so, well, that's a good change from China, at least. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should be fair and just pick on everybody. I'm sure you well, can we find, do. like, you know. Well, we do, yeah. We do, but making fun of the Iranians and, and their fucking, uh, their their camel launching, what the fuck was it? No, a unicorn. Unicorn launchers. Yeah. Excuse uh, me? <laughs> what? The <laughs> fuck did you just say? So, we said that they, uh, they're developing secret weapons in, in Iran, and obviously they're, they're top of the line, so they've got a unicorn launcher. It's basically a trebuchet that they put a uh, fucking unicorn in with a uh, missile pack on the back of it. <laughs> That's the wow. shit. And it blows up into sparkles. It's Somebody had a picture <laughs> of it. Where did that go? Get order on the picture. <sighs> Damn, I almost bit Oh, Paul's actually on now. I, I am. Paul, wow. what's up, dude? Uh, holy shit. This is Rick Hayes, Iron Geek, Nickerson, all kinds of other people. Chris <laughs> Berling. It's, it's like a fucking Fuck security man. podcast Damn. orgy going on. This is, streams, Paul. This yeah, is what we're hoping for. I got my for. pants off. I'm glad we can uh, be a part of your orgy. Security podcast orgy is redundant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that Jack? <laughs> hey, yeah. Jack Daniel on the line. We have Larry Pesce. Jeez, if I know it was going to be this kind of party, I'd stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's already been there. <laughs> God, I've had my dick in the mashed potatoes for like the last hour. <laughs> but you no, can join. They're nice and cold still. Can you I, I want to see it, pictures. It, it's not gay if we don't make eye contact, right? <laughs> Just don't touch tips. You're good. Yeah. Stop trying to put it in the hole. It's supposed to cuddle. Uh, uh, Rick, you want unicorns? Here's some unicorns for you. Oh, Jeez. Somebody, somebody asked if we can uh, Skype in Santa. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Jack's close to what I get. I may have a Santa outfit in the back of the car still. Oh my god! The problem is it's crotchless. Now now we're at the point of like it's like a furry gangbang. Are you guys actually recording this? Yeah. In the show, or you just? Yeah, no, we're still recording. We're we're recording and we're still broadcasting. Nice. So. uh... Well, happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, man. Happy holidays to all you guys. I'm I'm glad that we got to, like, talk to you before it actually got to Judgment Day. And we hit 2012 and we all fucking die. No, we're we're good till December 21st next year, man. Ah, shit. It's next year. We're uh, we're still looking at a whole year. We're totally done with uh, our uh, security podcast for this year. We uh, recorded the last episode and we'll come back in January. Nice. You guys, uh, you're taking a break next week? Uh, from the security podcast, yep. I am actually doing a cigar podcast now, which we are planning to record next week. 
Nice. The smoking face da- down in bed cigar It podcast. is smoking cigars face down in bed podcast. <laughs> is actually Paul, what's the name of it? <laughs> it's called Stogie Geeks. Nice. That's awesome. Stogie. I will have to. I'll have to go find it because. You know, I figured. I'd rather hear you talk it, about that because you know what the fuck you're talking about in the security stuff. Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> we actually have fun, have fun <laughs> talking about drinking beer and talking shit about security. So I said, well, why not drink scotch and then smoke cigars and call it a podcast? You, usually after he talks smack about security and drink a whole Yeah, I actually beer, record so. both in one night. <laughs> so uh, so you, you get you get the security shit out and you're like, great, now that I don't have to talk about that dumb shit anymore, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, let's go drink scotch and smoke cigars. That's yeah. awesome. Um we we unfortunately decided to mix those two things, so that's why we're a fucking train wreck. <laughs> do you drink scotch? Do you drink scotch on the show? I I hear ice jingling in the in the. Is that scotch? Dude, you or know is that what? That's like the that's like the big EL myth. Like, aside from like every once in a while, most of the time we never ever drink. Um, really? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're drinking right it's now, like iced tea or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking Bailey's and coffee right now. Um, oh, do you guys usually record in the morning. No, we do we record we whenever we can actually get down in the same place together. Usually, in recording, what's just doesn't what's exist. Wrong with drinking in the morning? What's wrong with little Jamesons in your coffee? Nothing. Well, nothing at all. Nothing. The, all I can say is fuck the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are you fucking with my Jamesons? <laughs> okay, so so out of everybody who's on here, who's going to schmoo? If I can find a place to crash, I think I'll probably go. I, I have a ticket. Does anyone else have a ticket? <laughs> Yeah, I have a ticket. I'm not attending, but I'm, I'm sending Mike Perez. Yeah, uh, well, so I don't technically have a ticket. I'm volunteering for physical security, so I have a ticket. Nice. What about all of you ISD guys? Yeah, I'm gone. It's worse. Oh, nice. Fuck no, I'm out of the country. You're out of the country? I wasn't, I wasn't cool enough to get a ticket. So are you going to go anyway? No. <laughs> Have you, not, have you not figured out that you have to submit a talk to get a ticket? That, isn't that pretty bad? But I'm just saying, like, submit a talk. Like, fucking, here's my talk on security. It blows. Here's the abstract. Shit blows, and I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, I hear Adrian tried that. Yeah? Uh, yes, the massive one with, yeah. like, six million different names on it. <laughs> I basically, it was called, like, um, how to socially engineer your way into a con and get all your friends on board. And basically, I put, like, a list of everybody I know in InfoSec. <laughs> As co-speakers, <laughs> I'll have to you just dumped it. your Twitter list into it or something. Uh, something along those lines. I'll, I'll paste it into the chat here in a bit, so that might kick me off for um, flooding. For flooding. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this is the funniest thing ever. I love it. So you didn't. I'm going to. I'm going to RSA for the first time next year. Are you, dude? Why? We're going. I'm. I'm going to RSA. Lizzie, you're gonna go. You gotta go. Fucking, there's no. Please. Yeah. All right. All right. Sweet. You, go. you know. You know. The the reason I'm going is because John Strand submitted uh, our talk to RSA and they actually accepted it. You're kidding he's me. Like, he's like, dude. He calls me up and he's like, dude, we're going to RSA. Like we're going to Disney or something. I'm like, really? <laughs> I know I've been to it, but I thought it was like one big large Vindocon. It, it is. I mean, Tenable was thrilled because oh, oh, oh. Jack is speaking on a panel. I'm speaking there. I think Ron, oh, oh, oh. Ron is speaking. And Marcus yeah. is uh, Marcus is oh, arguably Marcus rubbing, is, yeah. rubbing somebody's nose in, in the death of IBS. Yeah. So what, what's your talk, man? <laughs> uh, it's the same talk we gave at DerbyCon. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
Right on. So. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit! Stop it! I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna murder Santa. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me. Did you guys see the new Family Guy episode last last uh, Sunday? No. Holy they have a new shit. Christmas episode. I, I played on our podcast this week. I played the uh, I've Got These Gifts For You, They're Up In My Bum by Peter Griffin. Nice. I, I love I, I sing that every year. And now the, the province I my son, they get he's kids three. And yeah, he's going to start singing it now. Yeah, God, the episode was just wrong. <laughs> Stewie, awesome. At one point, Stewie and Brian are going to like save Christmas. Mm-hmm. They get to the first house. <laughs> they have to break into the house through the window because they lock them. They go down the chimney, forget the presents, go out the door, lock the door break a window, go inside, get caught by the dad, who Stewie promptly clubs over the head and kills with a baseball bat. <laughs> As they're stuffing his body in the closet, the mom comes down, Stewie beats the shit out of her. God. And then they duct tape the daughter to the fucking chair with her mouth taped shut. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Why would you tape it shut? Why would not you tape it open? Oh. 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 Well, you know, Stewie's what? Under a year old. It can't be that big. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, I think he's gay, isn't he? Ouch. Good oh, point. Yeah, some they do allude to that. Well, you can close you know, your eyes. You know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. We live in Rhode Island, and Cahawkon is like the next town over from where we record the podcast. <laughs> Are they doing that again this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, planning's underway for 2012. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Do you know when it's yep. going to be? Uh, not off the top of my head. We can ask it Dave. Is, uh, the, the guy Dave. The, it is uh, weekend after Source Conference. Yeah. So Source wraps up. I think Source moved the day this year is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as I recall. And then I think Friday night, the uh, Hogcon starts. But it's the weekend. Yeah, they, a, it's they, the weekend after Source Boston. The guy that's organizing it, Dave uh, Johnson, is uh, helping out with all that time now. So. Cool. Hey, hey, Paul. Yeah. Um, Andy has a nice Johnson. Have you ever gone into the uh, airport restrooms and saying, I have a um, gift in my bum just for you and see yes, the reaction? What's the reaction? Uh, it's overwhelmingly positive, actually. That's because you go in with Larry, though. Because he yeah. goes into a lot of gay bathrooms. <laughs> He's like, there's usually, there's, usually a, there's usually a hole in the, in the stall. <laughs> yeah. And if not, that's you just make a, That's just that's to right. check if you have tonsils or not. Hey, hey you know, I, I can't help it if I've got a pretty mouth. Do you have a gag reflex? Check here. Yeah. Uh, hey, I think I think he has tonsils. This feels weird. <clears throat> ah, I feel a piercing. Man, it's tight. <laughs> Sir, why are you taking the whole saw into the bathroom? Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. You're like, shh, it's okay. Now you're supposed to are you supposed to glue pubic hair around the hole? No, that comes with use. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know what's really, really fun is uh, is is going to those uh, like you know stroke houses, um, and you go to the bathrooms that have glory holes and put fucking like the clear gorilla glue around it. Oh. <laughs> Dude, you've never heard the screams of a man's entire set of pubic hair being pulled off with one thrust. And oh. What's better? <laughs> what, you, you got a few choices here, though. Do you do gorilla glue or do you do icy hot? No, nair? no, I you mean, do all kinds no, no, of shit. No, no, no. You got to do gorilla hole. glue because then it's officially called scalping. Because <laughs> it just leaves a little tuft and some skin. It rips the tip right off. 
so, so I think you have some experience on the, the receiving end. Yeah, I'm, he called it manscaping at the hmm. time, but hell. Yeah, yeah. I like, the, I like the teller I shaved. And now it's just scarred, so it doesn't grow hair anymore. <laughs> you get home, your wife's like, honey, if watch. If they're real men, it pulls the paint off the wall. That's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a test. <laughs> Says the man that has the beard that's been there since Kennedy was assassinated. <laughs> so other than that, how did you like the parade, Mrs. Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Zach was the name of a night. No, I was playing trivia that night, and uh, one of the teams was called. Other than that, how did you like the parade, Mrs. Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> Yay, trolling! Wow. I was hoping Dave Kennedy would jump on and tell us his story about his. Um, Get off most- No, the molestation. Oh, oh. he got molested. <laughs> 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 Isn't that just possible. like a daily occurrence? For I, I didn't know you could molest the willing. <laughs> I, I think we better just, let him tell the so. story. Yeah, it's best if he tells the story. Yeah, but. that's like a pedophile saying they got raped by a kid. I didn't realize he had gotten <laughs> to, the, to that phase of his uh, rehabilitation where he's allowed to talk about it yet. Oh, he's at step eight. <laughs> he's making amends. <laughs> yeah, dude, well beyond denial now. It's <laughs> now he's at anger. Oh, I do that all the time. Um, it's anger. Pretty soon he's going to be sending apology letters to us all. <laughs> 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 Sorry, man. Um, so, so Rick. It's okay, it's okay, Dave. It was a good touch. It was good touch. <laughs> it was above the belt. Rick, if Dave, if Dave lets me, and it's good that this is public because maybe more people will lobby for him to let it happen. Um, but there's there's a picture floating around on an FTP server somewhere on the internet that actually shows Dave doing the fucking Qaddafi to a Colombian police officer. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it, God. I'm going to regret this question. What is the Qaddafi? Yeah, that's oh. what I'm wondering. Okay, so... <laughs> so do you guys... You, do, do any of you guys watch Tosh.0? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So search for Qaddafi and Tosh.0 because there's one episode, like, right after Qaddafi got killed. And they they showed the video of Gaddafi getting killed, right? And he's just making jokes about it the whole time, and it's absolutely hilarious. But the end of the video ends with them shoving the AK up his ass, right? It's, it's an AK or it's a bayonet? Or a bayonet, guy, a bayonet up his ass. Yeah, it was, it was the front of it, yeah, up his ass. And uh, so he decides that he's going to run around the office with his microphone and just shove it up people's ass and start yelling Qaddafi. <laughs> so he's just, I mean, he's like end of the microphone deep in like anyone he can find's ass, and he's just running like full tilt through the office and just hammering this thing into people's ass and screaming Qaddafi, and, it's, and like the camera crew's following him around. So one drunken night <clears throat> on lots of Aguariente, uh, uh, Qaddafi became something that everyone in the club learned uh, and started doing to to not only just people near them and like you know like someone would be in the middle of a real serious security conversation or something like that or having a drink and they would get Qaddafi'd by someone else and you would just see the drink explode and the person starts screaming aren't um, you complaining about somebody trying to shove something up your ass the whole time at a conference not that long oh ago? that was Thor who decided he was going to try and put his Tim Mullen who decided he was going to put his finger in my ass right which he's a really big dude to fight, <laughs> like. <laughs> Which also means he has really big fingers. Oh my god, they're huge! <laughs> it made me cough as soon as it got in. 
Okay, on that <laughs> note, I gotta go because I want to have like a weekend. Probably find a proctologist with really small fingers. <laughs> Okay, yeah, all we're right. done. I love you guys. Well, happy holiday, Christmas, Merry Kwanzaa, Christmas. all that shit. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I feel dark, dirty. I'm wearing a puppy sticker on my stomach for my four year old daughter. I'll die.